KMTT, Kimitzion Titzei Torah, and today is Tuesday, today's Shir by Harav Moshe Taragin on the essentials of Avodat Hashem. After the Shir, I will be back with Halacha Yomit. The previous two Shiurim addressed three different foundations for the world of Chesed. The first foundation is based on the Pasuk in Parshas Kiddoshim, V'yahavta l'recha kamocha, primarily chesed, inasmuch as it serves, provides assistance to someone who is deprived. The Pasuk in Bracious Perakei, Zeh Sefer Toldos Adam B'dmose Lokim Asa also, which according to Ben Azai, suggests or portrays chesed as a replenishment or a rejuvenation of a lost divine spirit or divine dignity. And the third pillar for chesed stems from the Pasuk Chesed as an opportunity to fashion the human image and the human heart similar to the model of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, his morality, his ethics. Imitatio Dei. Mahu Rachum Afata Rachum. Mahu Chanun Afata Chanun. I would like to discuss an additional feature belonging to the world of Chesed, belonging to the world of an Adam Lechavero. This concept is known as Lufnim Mishuras Hadin. The opportunity, the value, for an individual to behave primarily interpersonally in a manner which exceeds his legal responsibilities. To behave not as he must, but as he ought to behave. The primary source for the world of Lifnim and Mishuras Hadin, acting and behaving beyond the letter, the legal mandate of Halacha, primarily in the world of Ben Adam Lechavero, the primary source is found in Dvarim Perak Vav. In Parshas Veschan in the Torah writes, Shamar Tishmarun es mitzvot Hashem alokichem ve'edosav v'chuka v'sher tzivach ve'asisa hayashar v'hatov b'enei Hashem v'man yitav lach uvasa v'yirashta sa'aretz ha'tova asher nishba Hashem l'avosecha. The Torah employs two very interesting words, yashar and tov. Evidently, the Pasuk, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, expects more from us than the minimal responsibility of Halacha. Rashi comments on that Pasuk in Devarim, Perak Vav, Pasuk Yudches, Hayashar v'hatov, what is right, what is ethical, what reflects, that which reflects integrity and sensitivity, not just that which is legally binding, Zupshara, one example would be to compromise rather than prosecute. A monetary case, perhaps, towards the absolute detriment of your fellow litigant. Zupshara, lifnim mishuras hadin. The Ramban, of course, in Devarim, greatly elaborates the idea which Rashi expressed in that kernel of three or four words, pshara lifnim mishuras hadin. The Ramban writes, Ze'en Yan Gadol. Very, very important concept. 
It's impossible, he writes, for the Torah to comprehensively legislate the world of morality, interpersonal affairs, daily intercourse. It's too vast. It's too relative. None of these issues can be mapped concretely or precisely. It depends upon context and degree. Instead, the Torah listed some very, very general, universally applied guidelines for morality. You shouldn't steal. You shouldn't speak um, slander. You shouldn't bear grudges, take revenge, affect those who are vulnerable, cheresh, the list which I've talked about two shirim ago in Parshas Kedoshim, capped with the pinnacle of this pyramid, the Aftarecha Kamocha. But then the Ramban writes, towards the end of the Torah, in Parshas Veschanan, Chazar Lomar Bederech Klal, the Torah now generalizes, Sheyase Hatove Hayashar Bechol Davar. Do not just adhere solely to the letter of the law, but try to aspire to that which is not just legally binding, but good, just, moral, compassionate, tovi yashar. According to the Ramban, this pasuk in V'yashanan, V'yashisa hayashar v'yatov, serves as a tandem pasuk, parallel to another famous pasuk which suggests, which endorses religious behavior which reflects the spirit of the law, not just the letter of the law. Parshas Kedoshim begins with a very famous pasuk, Perak Yutes and Vayikra, Vaydaber Hashem al Moshe lemor Daber al Kol Adas bnei Yisrael v'Yamarta lehem Kedoshim tihiu ki Kadosh ani Hashem alokichem. Having extensively listed the halachos of Mikdash and Mishkan, the Torah dictates, instructs us to be holy. Rashi interprets this unique, almost special mitzvah as referring to sexual caution. A person reaches a unique level of holiness and sanctity through his interaction with matters relating to sexual attraction, relationships. The Ramban takes a very different track. The Ramban claims that one can conceivably adhere to every single letter of Shulchan Aruch, every single detail of Halacha, but behave in a manner which is uncharacteristic or even a betrayal of the purpose of halacha. The purpose of halacha is to ennoble us, to install moderation, dignity, restraint, spiritual consciousness, studying a Kaddish Baruch Hu's work, performing for others. Considerably, an individual could flaunt all these values while still remaining strictly within the letter of the law. The Ramban coined a very, very famous, one could say infamous phrase. That person would be called a naval birshus hatara. Literally a scoundrel. Naval would be a scoundrel, a, a villain, with the Torah's imprimatur, with the Torah's permission. He'd spend his time, as the Ramban writes, eating and drinking, but uh, scrutinizing the food and wine that it should be kosher lamadrin. Spend his time overindulging in sexual activities, but perhaps within a halachically permissible fashion. The Torah is not interested in converting religion solely into a system of do's and don'ts. Obviously, basic Kabbalah's Malchus Shemayim, Kabbalah's Al Mitzvos, the life of a Mitzvah has to be firmly founded on 
an identity or an attitude of being commanded and of course the willingness and the effort to implement that attitude into day-to-day obedience into maintaining the strict laws of Shulchan Aruch but Chalil Vachas that Avonis Hashem should end in the details of Shulchan Aruch there's a broader fabric there's a broader fabric when it comes to Menadam Lamakom not just the Halacha alone but a certain lifestyle which Halacha is meant to facilitate or to catalyze and similarly the Ramban writes although he doesn't equate the two Pesach in the Pesach in Kedoshim and the Pesach in Veschanan but there's some very very sharp structural similarities similarly when it comes to ethical behavior morality interpersonal affairs the Torah's primary interest is that we act appropriately and sensitively and perhaps if human beings had more integrity there'd be no need for laws and rules given the fact that pettiness, jealousy, strife will ultimately overcome every human being the Torah to legislate some various general guidelines but lest we adhere too closely to the law and ignore the spirit the Torah reminds us one can find some very similar tones in a very famous section of the Magid Mishnah the Magid Mishnah was one of the super commentaries on the Rambam and in the Magid Mishnah, towards the end of Hel Chashchenim, Perak Yud Dalid, Halacha He sort of summarizes the Rambam section of Shchenim. The Rambam, very interestingly, in his Sefer Yad Chazaka, very often develops topics that are not naturally delimited by Shas. For example, the laws of Kiddushin, of Ishas, can more or less be found in Mesechus Kiddushin. And the Rambam's listing of those laws is not creative in the sense of establishing a topic out of nowhere ex nihilo but rather summarizing and cataloging the various halachos which Mesechus Kiddushin lists so the Rambam Selchus Ishus is not a topic which he created but oftentimes the Rambam created topics of course drawing extensively on sources of Chazal but topics which the Gemara did not classify as independent for example the laws of Shechinim are not are not localized in one particular mesechta. There's no such thing as mesecha shchedim. Some of the laws appear in the end above Metziah, habayis v'haliyah. One could say vertical shchedim. People own gardens on top of one another, terraced gardens. And one owns the garden on the top of the mountain. One owns the garden on the bottom of the mountain. The first two prakim of Bava Basra, Parakashutfim describing neighbors who want to divide a joint courtyard other social communal norms the second parak what types of activities can or may not be performed in private if they produce negative or detrimental effects upon neighbors so the Rambam witnessing these halachos sort of condensed them and created one of his sections of Hilchos Nezikin is called Hilchos Shchenim so towards the end of Hilchos Shchenim parak Yudalid the Magid Mishnah claims as follows the Magid Mishnah more or less restates the Ramban's theory in Parshas Veschanan interestingly enough he actually highlights the parallel between the Pasuk and the Pasuk of Kiddoshim Tiyu, he quotes the Pasuk more or less capturing the spirit of the Ramban the Torah is absolute and timeless but morality is transient 
and ephemeral, so therefore the Torah could not legislate in a timeless and eternal fashion moral laws which would change from moment to moment, from context to context. So therefore the Torah demands behavior which may transcend the letter of the law. And then the Ramban, interestingly enough, concludes with a very fascinating and famous drasha. Beginning of Shir Hashirim, the second pasuk states as follows, Yishakeni minishikos pihu, kitovim dodecha mihayin. Literally the pasuk writes that he kissed me for his for his sweeter than wine. Chazal darshan, kitovim dodecha miyayin. The word dodecha can refer to literally it's uncles or our uncles. Now, traditionally, this drasha, kitovim dodecha miyayin, was employed by Chazal to articulate the significance, the, um, the authority of Chazal. Chazal are perhaps captured in the metaphor of Dodecha, our uncles, individuals who associated the delivery of the Torah, adding their oral tradition to the written law. And when Shlomo writes, Kitovim Dodecha Miyayin, Shlomo is in effect assigning importance not just to Torah Shebichsav, which which the metaphor here is Yayin, Yayin is Bigamatria 70, Torah was translated in 70 languages, other ways in which Torah and Yayin are comparable. But Kitavim Dodecha Miyayin, our uncles are superior to wine. Of course, this statement rendered in hyperbole to lend greater emphasis, greater stress. The Magid Mishnah claims that the Drasha Kitavim Dodecha Miyayin, Chavivim Divrei Dodim Yosem Miyena Shaltara, the words of the Dodim are more precious than the wine of Torah. Again, a statement which traditionally speaks to the importance and authority of Chazal. The Magid Mishnah adopts this phrase as referring not to the general statements of Chazal, but to the overall tendency or the overall wishes that Jews behave morally even when the law doesn't call for it. I'll read you his exact language. And he sees that as, as a reference to Divrei Chasidus. The Torah represents, or the Yenushal Torah represents the basic requirements of law. And Kitovim Dodecha, Divrei Dodim, perhaps not just referring to uncles, but in some way referring to friendship and fraternity. Dodim, Ilashon, Yedidim. Sometimes that's equally or perhaps more important than halacha, general ethics and morality. A very famous introduction to Sefer Bereshis. Sefer Bereshis was called, was referred to by Chazal as Sefer HaYisharim. Why was it called Sefer HaYisharim? So the Nitziv elaborates on something which appears almost obvious, certainly after the Nitziv highlights it. That the Avos and their interactions with their neighbors, their colleagues, their acquaintances, their enemies, acted in a moral manner which perhaps far surpassed their required, responsible, legal duties. Avraham's treatment of the people who he had redeemed, the people of Stom who had redeemed, who had liberated during that great war, perhaps he could have been more adamant about receiving compensation. He showed a level of generosity. Certainly Avraham's responses to Paro 
Avimelech, after they had violated his own marriage and his own relationship, Yitzchak's reconciliation, rapprochement with Avimelech, after the wells which Avram had dug had been ruined, Yaakov's various interactions with Lavan, with uh, the individuals whom he um, interacted with in Eretz Kinan, Vayichen Espinehair, Chazal tell us, he built various shops and stores and assisted them in their financial dealings. Yashar, based on the Pasuk in Parshas Veschanan, is not someone who merely adheres to halacha, but who surpasses or transcends halacha by acting literally beyond the letter of the law. Interestingly enough, the halacha of Lefnim Mishur Asadin, behaving in a moral fashion, not just in a legal fashion, may be something which is not just voluntary. The most extreme version of the Versis HaYashur V'Atav or Lefnim Mishur Asadin is stated by the Smak in the Sefer Mitzvah Skatan. The Smak lists as Mitzvah Memtes, the 49th Mitzvah, a mitzvah to act beyond the letter of the law. And this is, of course, a very enigmatic phenomena. To actually incorporate the mitzvah of Lefnimishur Asadin within Tariag mitzvahs is a very, very intriguing prospect. Lefnimishur Asadin, to a degree, suggests that we not break the system, but surpass the system. How could that dictate, how could that request or command? be part of the system. Tariq Mitzvah represents the system of halacha. How can that system contain the responsibility to surpass itself? So from a nominal standpoint, it's a very interesting phenomena. But morally, the smock statement is very compelling. It isn't an option. It isn't something which is just uh, requested or expected of good Samaritans. But every person has a mitzvah, essay minatara, akin to tefillin and sukkah and tzitzis, to find the moments in which he may act in which he acts morally not just legally of course we traditionally conventionally don't accept the Smok's opinion but there is a Shita which does perhaps reflect the spirit of how the Smok viewed the Mordechai in Bava Metziah actually suggests that based in will enforce Lifnim Mishur Asadin. It may not enforce it as universally and as um, concretely as it will enforce the law. The law is more or less universal and applies equally to every human being in every context. But based in, based on its discretion, has the ability to impose certain solutions based on Lifnim Mishur Asadin. Mentioned earlier that Rashi in Veschanan doesn't merely cite Lifnimi Shura Sadin, but mentions Pshara. Various Gemaras and Sanhedrin, Dafav, Daflamid Beis, derive the concept of Pshara. They're based in as a mitzvah. When two litigants approach a court, instead of prosecuting the case to the absolute benefit of one party and the absolute detriment and defeat of the other, based in as a mitzvah to attempt to locate some middle ground, to locate a possible pshara. 
The Gemara in Sanhedrin derives this from the Pasuk in Zechariah, Emes, and Mishpat, Shalom, Shiftu, B'Sharechem. How can the Torah request, how can Zechariah mention an expectation of both Mishpat and Shalom, of justice and harmony? If justice will be rendered, then dissent will emerge. If harmony will be protected, then perhaps justice will have to be momentarily ignored. So the Gemara finally concludes by reconciling Tzedakah and Mishpat. What is a form of Mishpat which incorporates Tzedakah? This is a form of Pshara. The Ramah in Shulchan Arach Simen Yud Beis cites two opinions as to whether Pshara can be imposed. Can Beisden impose a compromise upon two litigants, each of whom solicited Beisden, expecting to emerge completely victorious? In fact, even within Halacha, there are moments in which aspects of Lefim Mishura Sadin are imposed. Chazal felt that there were certain varieties, certain moments of Lefim Mishura Sadin, which are mandated for every man, which shouldn't be left to the realm of volunteerism and option. This set of Halachos, Chazal mentioned, referred to, as Midasto. The Mishnah in Perke Avos is a very interesting description of Sto. The Mishnah writes, Shali Shali Vishelcha Shali, that's a Rasha, person who's so selfish, insatiable appetite. But what happens if a person says, Shali Shali Vishelcha Shilcha, respects the law, respects property, respects boundaries. I won't steal yours. I won't violate your resources, your time, your home, your estate, and you don't violate mine. Shali, shali, v'shelcha, shelcha, an absolute respect for the law, zumida stom. This seems to be a bit incongruous with our opinion of stom. The Torah writes of the people of stom, v'anshei stom, ra'im v'chataim l'ashem. Terrible, wicked, exploitative, how can the city of stone, do they warrant the severe punishment which they received simply because they adopted perhaps a, an insensitive, but certainly not a morally uh, criminal attitude of shali, shali, v'shalcha, shalcha? So in a very famous section, the Maharal, in Nesiv Olam, in the Nesiv of Gemilas Chasadim Parakeh, the Maharal writes, that the disintegration of the society of stone was a gradual process. Our first impressions of stone is of affluence and wealth. Low chooses stone because it's green, it's lush, and presumably not just green and lush in an agricultural sense, but successful, comfortable financially. He chooses this when he departs from Avraham Avinu. According to the Maharal, because the citizens of stone were so self-sufficient, they abrogated the sense of need and of supporting one another beyond the letter of the law. They had no need for need. Each person could afford to attend to their own needs, their own dependencies. Once they lost the sense of dependency, because they were so affluent, they didn't have to build a community based on mutual support and personal assistance. They were at the first stage of their moral decline. Shali shali v'shalcha shalcha.
They were not, so to speak, immoral. They were not criminal. They were what one could say amoral, non-moral. Each person, law ruled throughout the city of stone. Once they reached that moment of shalish, shalivish, shalchash, shalchav, midas, stone, then it was a quick and irreversible slide into immorality, exploitation. A community cannot survive solely on law. Communities are built, human lives are redeemed, based on chesed, the willingness of people to act outside of the box, to behave not just in response to legal responsibilities and legal duties, but in response to a moral impulse, to help beyond their obligation, beyond the law. Mir Hashem, towards the end of this week, we'll celebrate the Chag of Shavuos. A very, very famous sort of summary of the Book of Rus, which we'll read on Shavuot Zemitz Hashem. Rabbi Zera says, this Sefer seems to be empty of halachic details. Truth is, it isn't, because there are some halachas which are derived from Sefer Rus. But certainly halachas don't serve as the fulcrum of the Sefer. Rabbi Zera says, Sefer is It's not a Sefer of halacha. Ela chesed. Olam chesed yibane. Human beings are redeemed. Communities are built. Nations are launched. Sefer Rus is not just about redeeming individual suffering, repairing broken families and suffering communities, but about launching Jewish monarchy, Jewish redemption. Sefer Rus occurs during a very sad point in Jewish history, sad period of sarcasm and cynicism, a breakdown of authority. And the entire book of Shoftim is a book which presents historical stagnation. We're no closer towards redemption, spiritually, morally, nationally, in the end of Sefer Shoftim than we are at its outset. Two steps forward and one step back, one step forward and two steps back. In parallel to this very, very frustrating, almost lethargic Sefer, Sefer Rus occurs chronologically parallel. It occurs during the time of the Shelftim, but it's not incorporated within Sefer Shelftim because it doesn't suffer the malaise of Sefer Shelftim. It's the redemption of Sefer Shelftim. And it launches Sefer Shmuel, of course, and Jewish monarchy, and Rus being the matriarch of Jewish monarchy. A community cannot exist solely on the rule of law. It will collapse under the weight of its own of its own insensitivity. It's a very interesting Gemara in Bava Messiah, Tavlamin Amad Beis. The Gemara writes, Amar Rabbi Yochanan, Lo charva Yerushalayim, El al Shadanuba din Tara. city of Yerushalayim was decimated because they applied Torah law. The Gemara is astonished. They're being punished for applying Torah law. El Adini Dino. They should apply some other culture's law, some other system of law. Sigmar says, They were punished because they exacted and they demanded the application of the law. They didn't have the heart to act beyond the strict legal responsibility. In the spirit of Anshe Stom, in the spirit of what happened to Stom according to the Maharal, 
one could, perhaps could read this Gemara not as a punishment, but as a consequence. Shalim wasn't only punished for their, so to speak, legal, non-moral behavior, but the community crumbled. The fabric of society disintegrated. Communities are built on the thousand points of light of community organs and families and individuals who have the courage, who have the conviction, the selflessness to act beyond their own self-interest, beyond their own needs, to redeem people in suffering, to relieve distress, to move a community forward. And Yushalayim lost that sensitivity. Having lost that sensitivity, they ultimately were doomed, were doomed for destruction, even if it hadn't been divinely imposed. Very interesting medrash, that Avram meets Malki Tzedek in Parshas Lech Lecha, and he meets him in the city which would one day be named Yushalayim. It's a very fascinating meeting. It's a very mysterious meeting. It's not altogether clear what transpired during this meeting. But according to this Medrash, Malki Tzedek happened to be one of Noach's children, Shame. And Avraham, Medrash mentions that Avraham was jealous. He was jealous of Malki Tzedek, of Shame. He asked him, how did you exit the Teva? What was your secret for survival? What allowed you to live that year or so under such trying conditions? So Malkitzedek responds, the charity, the generosity which we display to one another. So Avram inquires, how could you possibly perform charity in the Teva? Was there anyone who was was poor or indigent? Who did you perform staka towards? So Malkitzedek, or shame, responds, we performed staka towards the animal community. We didn't sleep until we fed them. We attended to their needs. At that point, Avram reckons to himself, without this staka, they would never have emerged from the teva. I will try to build a world fashioned on staka and chesed. And of course, Avram launches Jewish history, moral history, the history of Sefer Barashas, the history of Sefer HaYusharim. The experience of Avraham in building his world, Noach in launching the renewal of our world, Rus, thousands of years, hundreds of years later, Rus and Naomi launching Jewish monarchy by acting outside of the box, selflessly for one another. The story of the Gemara Bav Metziah, the Aflamen of the ultimate destruction of Yushalayim, and of course, the very, very tragic events unfolding to the people of Stone all highlight the value of Lifnim Adin, of ethical behavior in building a firm and stable, morally just society. And Chazal detected certain moments in which selfish behavior is so severe, is so insensitive, that it borders on the behavior of Stone. And it should be denied, it should be um, restrained. Chazal developed the following legal and enforceable concept of kofin omida stone. For example, the Gemara in Bava Metziah, Kufches, decides that if I sell my field, I have to give the first right of purchase to my neighbor. Because potentially, if he buys my field, he could consolidate my field with his field and benefit by the proximity of two fields. He can send his workers together without having to pay excess 
resources, for transportation, for tircha. I don't have a free capitalistic right to sell to whomever I choose. Such behavior, Chazal feel, would be stone-like. And Allah is confident on midas stone. It enforces against the behavior which was evident in stone. Sheli, sheli, v'shilcha, shilcha. Another Gemara in Bavakama and Davchaf describes someone who's homeless, who squats in an unused apartment building belonging to someone else or in a home, doesn't have to pay any money according to one position. Don't have to pay any money to the person, even though I derived Hana from his shelter, because it's no money out of his pocket. He wasn't planning on renting it, he wasn't planning on living in it anyway. For him to demand money of me, would be reflective of the behavior which occurred in stone. Chazal do not want this behavior to proliferate. And this is the type of extra-legal, if sadin behavior which Chazal don't just suggest, don't just expect us to volunteer ourselves towards, but actually enforce. Kofin al-midas stone. So this could be called a fourth wing of chesed general moral sensitivity, a sense not just of what halacha demands of us, but what the human heart expects of us. To be attuned not just to law and duty, but to need, to morality. I'll conclude with a very, very famous Mishnah in Pirkei Avos. The Mishnah narrates that Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai dispatched his various Talmidim to discover the central trait which a person which a person should condition. So one Talmud Rabbi Yazar suggested an Ayin Tova. Generosity, seeing the positive in others. Rishua suggests to be a chaver tov, a good friend. Rabbi Yossi said a shachin tov. Rabbi Shimon said to be a prescient, haraz and olad. Blazer said leif tov, to have a good heart. Blazer ben arach. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai responded to his talmidim, Ro'ani is divrei Lazar ben arach, shebechlal divar of divreichem. Rabbi Yochanan ben Zakkai instructed his talmidim that the fundamental element of Avodah Hashem is to have a leif tov, to be a mensch, to exhibit mensch l'chkait, not just to perform chesed based on the demands of Shulchan Arach, but to sense the moral needs and the moral duties of the heart, chavos halavavos. Rav Lichtenstein once relayed the following story to us. He was once walking down a street in Yerushalayim, and he saw an Arab merchant pull his car up to the side of the road, and he stopped suddenly, and his merchandise fell out of the back of the truck and splattered all over the floor. Immediately, a group of yeshiva bachrim surrounded the merchant and began deliberating whether they had a legal responsibility to assist him. After all, he wasn't Jewish. Perhaps he was considered a ger toshav. He lived in the land of Israel, accepted Jewish law, maintain certain basic standards of Noahide law? Is Islam considered paganism? All types of questions were engaged in in order to determine the halachic status of this merchant and whether they were obligated to assist him. 
Rav mentioned to us that he reckoned how sad it was that these boys possessed the halachic knowledge to tackle this scene, this scenario, but not the basic decency just to help. Sometimes he felt, sadly enough, and ironically, in our own community, we have the basic decency to help, but perhaps not the halachic knowledge to deliberate upon the situation. Why can't we produce both? Rav Lichtenstein lamented to us. Why can't we produce people of high and upstanding moral sensitivity who help without questioning, as well as individuals who are aware and familiar with the halachic details, the sophisticated halachic knowledge? Why can't we have both? At that point, someone in the back of the room raised their hand and said, but Rebbe, if you could only have one, which would it be? Ideally, you should have both, and it's sad that you can't, but if you could only have one, which would it be? At that point, Rav Lichtenstein quoted this, matter, this Mishnah Tas in Perkyevos, Leif Tovol Al-Gabayim. Religion starts with Menschlichkeit, with decency, with morality, with sensitivity. And that sensitivity should encourage a human being not just to act in a manner that law dictates, but to sense need and to respond to it with selflessness, with sacrifice, and with ethical commitment. You've been listening to Harav Moshe Tarragon, the weekly shiur on the essentials of Avodat Hashem. This is Ezra Beck and for the Halacha Yomit. We have a mincha, and now we're up to Arvit. The Machloket dispute in the Gemara if Tfilat Arvit the tefillah said at night, is chova or rishut, is obligatory or voluntary. Machloket tanaim and machloket amoraim. The halacha is that by definition, tefillat arvit is rishut. Literally that means it's voluntary. Tosfot claims that it doesn't mean that it's actually voluntary, that you can simply ignore it. Spot claims you have to dive in Arvit, but Vishut means that it's not as important as other things, and therefore it could be set aside if you had something more important to do, meaning of a mitzvah nature. That's the Shita of Tasvot. In any event, all the posts can bring down the statement made by the Ravan in the name of Haigon that. Am Yisrael has accepted upon itself the Davin Arvit. So that practically speaking, you have to say it. Nonetheless, the, the Minag, Am Yisrael has a custom, and a, an accepted custom, of saying Arvit, but that doesn't change the nature of the Tefillah. There's an accepted custom to Davin the Tefillah, which is Vishut. And therefore, there could still be distinctions. The Beit Yosef, for instance, uh, rules Halach HaLemaisa, that you can set aside ma'ariv if it's difficult to daven. You have something else to do, that's another mitzvah. Normally you'd have to daven right away. But if another mitzvah, even, he says, if it's very uncomfortable, but Yosef says that if you've gone to bed and remember that you didn't daven, he claims you don't have to get up out of bed to daven ma'ariv because you've already, you've already undressed and gotten into bed. Uh, other other posts can disagree. But there is this, there is this opinion of the Beit Yosef that because it's by definition of a shut, which we've ex- made obligatory on ourselves, 
So it still has a different nature than that of a of a of a tefillat of a regular tefillat avit, of a regular tefillah. Excuse me. Another distinction based on whether it's chova or uh, or reshut, it's implied by the Gemara that the question of whether or not you have to be somech gula le tefillah, whether you have to connect the brachav ga'al Yisrael to Shmonesrei and avit, is dependent on this question. And therefore, according to the simple interpretation of the Gemara, if we rule that tefillat arvit is reshut, you don't have to be somech gula le tefillah. Based on this, the Tosfot explains, that's the reason why you say Yiru Eneinu, there's an extra bracha in Ma'ariv, after Hashkiveinu, the Gemara asks and says that Hashkiveinu is part of Geula, that doesn't consist in interference. But there's another bracha which is not even found in the Gemara. It's a minute of the Ga'onim. Tosfot says it's because you don't have to be some Geula Tfila, and therefore you can say Yiru Eneinu. That was the minigan Ashkenaz to say a long bracha yiru and many pesukim after Ashkivenu before Shmonesri because you're not really being so mekudal tefillah because tefillah tavit is reshut. The Gra objected another poskim as well and El Tzvael today it is not customary to say yiru ineinu in order to have at least lachatchila sinchut ugalat tefillah. What is poskim in the poskim is that suppose someone comes into my rib late. And he comes in after the very said Kriyat Shema and they were about to start Shmon So if this was Shacharit, you would not say Shmon Esrei B'tzibur because it's more important to be some Echudah You have to say Kriyat Shema first with Berkat Ga Yisrael and then Shmon But in Avit, since according to many opinions one is not some Echudah Tfilah, one doesn't have to be some Echudah Tfilah. Therefore, if one comes in and the Tzibur is saying Shmon so, they recommend you say Shmonesi with the Tzibur, and then you say Kriyat Shema, and it's Barachot after Shmonesi, giving up completely on the chance of Samech Gudal Tfila. Since Tfila Tavit is Rashut, you don't have to be Samech Gudal Tfila. That's it for today. We'll be back tomorrow. Tomorrow's Shir in Mesachet Barachot Halachab Avagadah, which I will be giving. You've been listening to KMTT, the Torah podcast. Ki Mitzion Tetzei Torah. And this is Ezra Bik wishing you call to Vibukat HaTorah Mitzion. Umei Etzion, here in Gush Etzion. And we'll be back tomorrow. Call to